Yeah. Welcome back. Right, man. I'm actually uh I'm gonna pour myself a beer. Oh yeah. Found this uh Colorado's awesome, man. We've got like all kinds of like craft brew. And this is uh I mean, they don't it does it says so it's crafted to remove gluten. So it's it's brewed with grains that contain gluten and has been crafted to remove gluten. But then it says uh it cannot be verified that this beer does not have gluten. <laughs> so <laughs> like I think we're gluten free, man. And uh I've been trying to find a gluten free beer. And this stuff is freaking amazing, man. Uh you would never know. But it's uh, a little vanilla, vanilla in your wrap. Nice. I'm going to have a beer today. Yeah. Been in meetings literally all day. We had meetings scheduled from nine this morning till 530 tonight. Yes, man. Yeah. To have meetings or were they, were they productive meetings? Uh, It was training. We're, we're trying to do a whole transformation at the company. It's a, it's a lot of company-wide training things, so. It's always good. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to be more productive and everything. Cheers. Yeah. I got my big water jug that's comically large. But yeah. What was it? Um, yeah. Earlier in the week, we were talking about coaching was one of the things we that came up. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Because oh, I yeah, know. Um, yeah. Because you tried coaching for a bit or we're doing it. I did. I did. Um, and yeah, you know, I mean, like all things, we've got opinions on on that. And, 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 you know, the opinions are probably more in line with online coaching, not coaching in general, per se. Um, but yeah, I tried a little bit of online coaching once upon a time. I didn't care for it myself. Um, I, I gotta be honest, man, I, I felt dirty charging people for what I thought was just like too basic of information, like stuff that you could just find anywhere on the internet. Um, you know, I wasn't doing like, I wasn't training any like advanced athletes. It was mostly new people. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't like charging money for such simplistic programming. Um, I found but that too. And I mean, you know, kind of getting back to our episode too, like I, I don't, I don't find joy in, in helping people that won't help themselves either. So, um, I, so like the charging didn't, didn't really work for me for people that weren't doing the work. So I actually ended up finding myself just helping people that, that I liked working with people that were working hard and, yeah, just uh, helping them for free because that made me feel better. I was uh, like, my reward was more like I wasn't going to make a lot of money off of it anyway. I mean, I didn't, I don't know if I wanted to do that full time. Right. So, so I was just happy. Like my reward was just seeing people that wanted to work hard and, and grow and be better every day, you know, succeed. So that was kind of my brief experience in coaching. <laughs> and it was kind yeah. of, you know, it wasn't in person, it was kind of on. Calling it on online isn't really coaching, right? It's just writing a program and giving some feedback. Yeah. And a lot of people charge so much for it these days. I know people who charge like hundreds and hundreds of dollars for those types of things. And I think 
You're right that a lot of times, unless you're really like catering or tailoring the program to that person, a lot of times it is those things that you could just find for, you could find programming online if you're just going to do something generic and everything. Like oftentimes you see people almost essentially prescribing their training just for other people. Like just that idea of like, here's what I'm doing, do what I do. Yeah. And that, that's kind of where, yeah, I can feel right doing it because a, I'm not like a formally trained strength and condition coach. I didn't have any certification. Um, all my knowledge is really just what works for me and what I've been doing. Um, and I kind of found, you know, I, I don't know, I, I guess kind of found like an internal conflict on, on trying to coach people when I didn't have the, I didn't have the expertise, the the real knowledge to, to help people as individuals, right. And, and to design training that was, you know, unique to them. Um, that's where, you know, somebody that has training, like legitimate certification, um, that's their career, it's their profession, you know, maybe that's justifiable for them to, to charge, but yeah, I mean, you see on, on the, on the socials all the time, like these people that, like you said, are, you know, they're, they're, they're selling programming. That's probably not even original. I mean, I know I've seen some people do this, right. You know, their, their programming is exactly like, uh, is exactly almost to the T to this guy at the gym who's using another coach in the same kind of sphere or sport. Right. And somebody else is selling that the exact same program to somebody else and that person just happens to be their coach right <laughs> yeah. like, like that's not coaching man that's just like that's like blatant plagiarism <laughs> yeah and a lot and of right times- more coaches don't get pissed about that uh and maybe they do i don't know i've just never seen it but but yeah i mean i've kind of kind of noticed that from time to time seeing that kind of like plagiaristic programming you know somebody's paying one coach for programming and they're just turning around and like regurgitating it to their athletes right <laughs> yeah and i think a lot of times it is that of just trying to like essentially replicate the success rather than like match people's goals and everything because the thing is every athlete is different and has a lot of times people do have different goals it is one of those things of you need to tailor it to what people are doing and also I mean, I have nothing against if you're just going to sell a 12 week program as a PDF, like that's one thing, but it's interesting. for a reasonable price yeah. too, right? Like some people do that for like 15 bucks, 30 bucks or whatever for a 12 week cool. block. But then like charging people $300 a month, which I've seen so many coaches doing that they're essentially giving some basic programming and then doing what someone could just record in like my fitness pal or something as far as like nutrition goes. Yeah, I mean, I don't think online coaching, in my opinion, could is is not worth that much money a month. I mean, people are willing to pay for it, though, right? So, you know, my opinion is it's not worth it, but it's apparently worth it to some people, right? I mean, the the market, I guess, kind of people's willingness to spend money is what kind of dictates market pricing, right? In a truly free market, so you know, me, I would never pay that much i mean i pay my coach like a lot less than that and i get like in-person coaching like that and that's a coach to me it's like somebody in person that's going to to be there you know and i mean he's not always there when i'm training but but um 
but you get some one actual one-on-one time eyes on um and and the opportunity to discuss your training your form bounce ideas off of each other right there's like a, there's a lot of value to that and and yeah like i don't know calling online coaching is not really i mean it's kind of a kind of a misnomer to me because yeah. it's not truly coaching it's it's online programming and maybe remote advisement i don't i don't know yeah. what you call it. it's not really coaching yeah it's one of those things like i currently am doing online coaching and everything but so far things have been tailored to me and you get that former advice and as long as you're making forward progress it's like I think that's the important part because the thing that also can be disconcerting for me is to see how many people will just like keep taking money from people who aren't improving. And it's like one of the things that sold me on my coach was he was like, if you don't see progress or you're not satisfied, like don't do this and everything. Because at the end of the day, I think the part that most people seem to miss is that like as a coach, you're essentially in the customer service business. And everything like you're you're providing an actual service where oftentimes i think people tend to and it's funny it's like kind of the meme of you see people online who are in their mid-20s who are essentially advertising themselves being a fitness lifestyle coach and everything and it's like well i guess like i could mean something but i think oftentimes people tend to either overvalue their services or sometimes it feels like almost there's a level of taking advantage of people trying to say, here's my success. You can replicate it by doing this and everything, which in an oversaturated market, like, like you said, the market will charge what the market charges. But I think oftentimes you have people who really are, I think deep down, most people want to improve themselves and you have many people are willing to take advantage of that sure. process. I mean, it's kind of business in general, right? That's why yeah. why we have the phrase caveat and, and tour, right? Buyer beware. Yeah. Um, and and you know, I mean, it, it truly, um, it's really up to the the buyer, the consumer, the person paying for the coaching to educate themselves and know, you know, who they're who they're hiring. Um, yeah. Because because I mean, reputation is out there if you if you're willing to go and find it. I mean, unfortunately, like you said, I mean. The, the market is saturated with online coaches I and mean, there are a dime a dozen, right? And, and th- there's probably very few that are worth the actual money, right? Like, I mean, cookie cutter programming, regurgitated, parroted programming from somebody else, like plagiarized programming. I mean, it's, it's just everywhere. Um, and then you've got the guys that are, you know, have zero experience. Like it, it always blows my mind when, you know, somebody, uh, a novice and strongman, you know, has a couple of couple months under their belt and all of a sudden they're, they're a fucking coach. <laughs> they're a strongman <laughs> coach. Like, I mean, I mean, more power to you, I guess. I mean, if you can get people to, you can trick people into giving you money, <laughs> you know, I mean, again, caveat and, and tour, right. Yeah. But, but, you know, um, knowing, knowing that, like I've always kind of said too, that, uh, if if you if you turn to somebody that's never achieved anything, you should expect to not achieve anything, right? Yeah. Um, you know, people that have no accomplishments can't aren't going to really help you 
reach your goals because they've never really achieved anything either. Right. I mean, it kind of gets back to that whole thought process of surrounding yourself with people that are better than you. Right. Um, you surround yourself with nine idiots. You're sure to be the, the 10th. Right. And it kind of, kind of goes, goes to the same, same line of thinking with coaching. Like you go and hire somebody that's never, never achieved anything. Or I mean, and, and achievement could be a lot of things, right? I'm not just saying like your coach has to be a, a well-decorated veteran athlete. Um, but, you know, going through the schooling, the education, the certification, you know, the experience like is an accomplishment too, right? I mean, some of the greatest coaches aren't, you know, weren't the greatest athletes. Um, some of the greatest teachers, right? I mean, I was kind of say those that can't, you know, teach, right? Those that do can't, those that can't do, those can't teach, but, you know, there's some really great teachers out there. Uh, and that's what they specialize in. So, but I mean, they still, you know, paid their dues in one way or the other. Um, going to somebody that has very little, with no experience, like you're not going to, you're not probably going to get what you're hoping out of that, uh, that transaction. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think a lot of times, I think the biggest thing you can do to help improve yourself is by being around people who are also trying to improve themselves of like being, you want to be at a gym or something where people are really pushing themselves and motivating everyone around them and everything. Cause oftentimes that can be programming makes a huge difference and everything, but also who you're around and everything. If you're doing just something that's a cookie cutter program by yourself or around people who aren't necessarily striving, like, average effort receive like gets average yeah. results exactly so i yeah, think yeah go ahead like you want people who are actually pushing themselves but also like you said offering that feedback of like seeing being around people who are actually trying to build each other up of like i've always been impressed to see like veteran athletes trying to help other people and just giving out this advice and everything rather than sometimes people almost just kind of put up this kind of paywall approach of like, well, like buy my program and you'll know. And it's like, if someone's doing something wrong in front of you, like just tell them and everything. Yeah. 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 Dude, that's it's kind of funny. Like when you said that, I put this paywall, if you pay for my program, you'll know it's like, it's like in the fantasy movies, right. When they're trying to get information from the, from the back alley, like hooded figure, they got to give them money. Right, then a little bit more money to get more advice. Um, <laughs> I don't know, um, but but yeah, man. I like again, like I said, I mean that's that's not my profession, right? I, I'd rather just help people. Um, I've always been more than happy to answer any questions anybody has um, and share my knowledge freely because I I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I value it enough to to put a dollar sign on it. Uh, <laughs> Cause it's just, it's just, it's just experience, right? It's not like, yeah. it's not like, I, I mean, again, I mean, I've paid a lot of money um, over the years to, to compete in the strongman, but, but, you know, just my time training and what I've learned about myself. And again, it's all just my personal experience, right? It's, it, it may not work for everybody. So I don't know, man, I, me personally, I have a hard time putting uh, a value on information that's just like i don't know i, I kind of feel like as veterans it's sort of our duty um to pass on information to the to the next generation of lifters right it's it's kind of etiquette i guess um, yeah I, I don't know that's just me personally like i don't i don't it's not my profession 
right? So, so maybe I don't have a uh, room to speak there, but not my profession. I'm more than happy to give away advice and, and what I know freely. Yeah. I think that makes a big difference. Cause I think, um, one of the things that too, I mean, you mentioned it kind of for people who feel like they have a few months under their belt or something. There is this like kind of pervasive thing you'll see in the fitness industry of people having an unearned sense of superiority of like, here's what I've done. And that's like, a lot of times it's not necessarily that impressive and everything kind of like what we talked about last time of like, you always have to know like how exactly did you get to nationals or like how exactly did you win these things? Because like there are those examples of people, if you won and you were the only person in your class, that's a very different competition than going in a stack class and winning and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of comes back to that idea of was it an actual win or an actual victory? And I think oftentimes people kind of want to like leapfrog into success almost. It's that idea of like people almost kind of like seeking out easy wins and in a way bringing on new clients who don't have much experience and everything and charging them a bunch of money. Like that is a pretty easy win financially right. and everything. But you have to think like, what's your motivation behind it? And are you actually like providing that benefit and that value? Because I think so often people, it is a high price tag. And everything this idea of it is expensive to compete and everything and it's that idea of you need to be getting actual value back for the money that you put out kind of like we've talked about in the past with like competitions and everything of like when you're paying for something you should be getting value for that and i think sometimes there's this idea of like you're lucky to get what you get. And it's like, no, if you're paying for something, you should be receiving something of equal value. Absolutely. But, you know, I mean, when you hire coaching, I mean, I mean, it's, there's no, there's no standards, right? You're hiring an individual who doesn't work for anybody half the time. So, you know, their standards are their own. Um, and it can be a little bit of trial and error, I think, to some extent. Again, there's, there's people out there with good reputation. Um, there's enough information out there. So, so, you know, I mean, I'll, I, new athletes, a lot of times I think may get led astray in believing that they need to have a coach because, because the, um, the industry, if you will, right. Preaches that because that's their bread and butter. Yeah. Right? And they go out and try to convince like all these people, you need a coach. If you want to get anywhere, you need a coach. Well, that's not really true. Right. You kind of alluded to it here just a minute ago too is that um right there's no and we kind of talked about this in the last episode too like there's no secret formula there's no there's no perfect right program there's no perfect right diet i mean diet is a little bit more scientific i mean i'll give it that but um you know there's no the only the only true uh you know tried and true proven method for getting better is hard fucking work right and so you can you can walk down several paths to get to the same goal right um and you know as a beginner especially like i would i encourage all beginners like don't don't go hire a coach if you're new to lifting or the strongman or anything like that just go online and grab some of the you know 
quote unquote cookie cutter programs that exist out there. Um, they're fun. You're going to make huge gains no matter what, because you're a beginner. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't waste your money on, on coaching and cause you can get a long, long, long ways on just the information that exists online. Now, some people aren't willing to go like they like the convenience of paying for somebody. Well, that's fine, I guess, but, um, you know, do your research and, and know who you're hiring. I wouldn't hire just anybody. Um, but you know, it's your money, spend it however you want, but you know, I would definitely recommend, um, you know, if you're new, just go and grab some, there's a lot of good programs, beginner programs online. They're absolutely free. Um, just do the work, just work hard and you're going to make huge gains. You're going to be successful in that short, short run, right? So you become an intermediate athlete. And even then there's a lot of good free programming out there for intermediate athletes. Like hiring a coach to me is something that you do when you've reached like the upper, upper end of intermediate or elite lifting. Right. When things when your gains start slowing down, they become harder. You know, you need that specialized programming to start targeting weaknesses and and areas that that really need improvement. I thought that's what a coach is for, right? Yeah. I think those things of like, I think it's important to, like you said, do your research and see what's out there. Because I think oftentimes what also surprises me is so many people at the beginning who you really should be filming what you do and comparing it to like what's out there and everything like trying to actively improve yourself. And I think sometimes there's this idea of like, you need a specific way to do things or like someone to tell you what to do. But I think oftentimes you also want to be able to like recognize what's a good lift and what's not a good lift and like be able to see that. That's where you're training with people with like a group of people like, and it didn't, Maybe that's not available to everybody because I, you know, I know, you know, some people live in more remote areas where, you know, those those strongman or powerlifting groups or whatever may not really exist. But, you know, if you look hard enough, you search out people, um, you know, especially in like the metropolitan areas, go just go train with a group of people. I mean, they're good. you're going to learn a lot as a beginner, no matter what, just training with other people, right? Um, but you're right. I mean video your lifts, post them. I mean, I, there used to be forums that you could just post right, your videos for, for open, yeah. like public comment. Um, I don't know if that exists anymore. I think um, I guess still still do. You, just, you just post it on the socials and ask for advice, man. I mean, take yeah. it. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are willing to give advice for free. Yeah. And I think a recurring theme is kind of that idea of like, after a while, the best teacher is experience, like simply go and do something of like, really push yourself of like, I think sometimes people said, do almost like internal gatekeeping of being like, oh, I'm not ready to do this. Or like, I can't do it on my own. And I think while there is value in getting help from people, you also have to be a self-starter. Like you have to you have to find balance in that because I think oftentimes there's this idea of like that somehow other people like naturally were better at something. So that's why they did it. And it's like most everyone, it takes years and years of practice to be good at something. Like you can't simply walk up to it and just be good at it. Then it's that same idea. I think 
it comes down to like recording lifts and everything of like, don't be afraid to like show people you making mistakes because like, that's how you learn and everything. I think oftentimes people kind of like we've talked to about before of like, not, not wanting to receive feedback or receive perceiving anything that isn't like positive job is like an insult and everything whereas like the most effective feedback you can get is by actually receiving actual feedback and listening to it like you can't just simply only pay attention to people who cheer you on and everything that idea of i think like actually wanting to actually improve yourself yeah everything rather than i think sometimes there's this idea of like once you've created kind of like or follow the cultural pattern of like you're doing this to win and everything like winning is the reason it's like winning is good but it's a it's not the only why like you want to be a better person along the way it's this idea of like winning winning should always be the 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 end goal right i mean that's the winning is the is the destination right but you can't get the destination without the journey right yeah you you have to still have to walk or you know travel that path and that path is going to be fraught with, um, you know, failure, mistakes, learning, growth, etc. Right? And that path, like we talked in the last episode, is long. Like you said, it's longer for some people than others. Right? Um, I'm a good example. It took me a long time to get to where I'm at now, and and you know, <laughs> even kind of like we were talking earlier. I mean, strongman still doesn't have the strongest people in it because there's so many in it. You know, I'm I'm probably in the big scheme of things. A, a very mediocre strongman, right? But, um, but yeah, it's a it's a journey. It's a journey, and for some of us, it's a it's maybe a never ending journey. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't always be trying to progress down that path, right? That down that path to whatever you know the destination. I mean, I say winning, right? I mean, winning means a lot of things. Is that winning a show, a specific show, a specific title? You know, is it a certain type of success in life, financial? you know, whatever it is, right? We, you always, always, always forward, right? Yeah. Like you want to have high ambitions and everything. And I think a part of it, I mean, that's another thing. I think why you have to look around at like people who train a lot of different modalities is realizing sometimes there is this, there's this strong sense with some people that like, oh, like strongman is the strongest and everything. When I think, Oftentimes you'll see these people who are doing other things of Olympic weightlifting or CrossFit and everything who like could actually be record holders and everything. Like it's amazing to watch like some of the women at my gym who are doing Olympic weightlifting, like throwing big weight over their head. Like it's nothing and everything. And I think a part of it, um, I think maybe that standardization will help and everything, but like, it's kind of a cyclical thing of like, people don't take it seriously if it's not being well run. And if it's not being well run, you aren't having enough entries to make a good show. So I think trying to find ways to like get that engagement and everything to see of like trying to pull other people in, because I think I was still turning it over in my head when you were saying that CrossFit essentially took strong man and made it profitable. And it's like, it, they make money off the charts. If you look at early CrossFit, man, it was, it was literally, I mean, they still do strong man events, 
right? I mean, yeah, but, but you know, I think it, I kind of remember it being very much just strongman events in the beginning, right? I mean, there was, there wasn't really a weightlifting or gymnastics element in the very, very beginning. I kind of grew, this CrossFit kind of grew into that and, and it, and kind of diversified itself from that perspective. But I mean, there's still, there's still a very strong or very, uh, um, significant part of it is strong. I mean, you're still doing yokes. I mean, the same base to the shoulders, right? Um, trees really do farmers walks, stuff like yeah. that. I mean, you know, those are those are strongman events. Uh, but yeah, now I mean, they're doing they're doing strongman events, and then they're doing um, you know gymnastics and Olympic weightlifting. So I mean, they're 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 more technical. They're more explosive. They're better. They're uh, more fit, right? They're more uh, conditioned, right? And then their strength on top of all of that is, I mean, it's basically as good as any of the weight class strongman athletes. And yeah, strongman. Uh, I mean, that's a that's a that's a man. That's a rabbit hole. I think we could <laughs> we could tumble down a long way. Uh, you know, strongman really not maybe being the strongest. Um, yeah, but I, mean, I think it's I think it's pretty logical though. I mean, reasonable to say uh, that strongman, you know, doesn't have the strongest athletes because the strongest athletes are you know in the NFL or they're in you know boxing or you know wherever wherever they're making more money. I mean, even look at Hathor. I mean, he was one of the strongest, absolutely strongest men on the planet but he went to boxing because there's way more money in it right um yeah. i guess time will tell if he stays there but uh yeah i think it's very reasonable to to say that the strongest humans aren't in in straw man um and there's always going to be somebody stronger right there's there's freaks of nature working on a farm somewhere that you'll never know <laughs> right yeah and I think that is the interesting point is to think of like that example of many of those people just like doing group classes until you find something that you're good at rather than sometimes like I think oftentimes you'll see people go into CrossFit and sometimes go into other sports from there because like it introduces you to a wide variety of things to like okay. see what you're good at. And I think oftentimes people tend to kind of make fun of CrossFit because of like the memes and stuff online and everything. But like a lot of the the things that they're doing are actually really impressive weights. And I think CrossFit comes... athletes are super impressive. Like yeah. The vast majority of strongman athletes couldn't keep you know couldn't hold a candle to CrossFit athletes. Um, yeah. That that whole like mockery, you know, I think started in the beginning because there was probably some animosity right that that crossfit became profitable and you know, there's probably still a little bit that they make more money than strongman athletes i mean I, I don't know where it all kind of really drives from but but you're right i mean we shouldn't be mocking any other sport period i mean even bodybuilding you know sometimes it's got a bad rap for you know being posers or whatever those motherfuckers work hard too man i mean that's not it's not easy work we're all we're, we're all, uh, I mean, and truthfully, we're all bodybuilders at the end of the day. If you're working on building your body, are you not a bodybuilder? Of course you are, right? We're all strength athletes in some regard, too. Um, you know, we shouldn't, like, strongman of, of all sports you know, should not be mocking any other strength sport out there. Bodybuilding, CrossFit, 
powerlifting, weightlifting, any of it. Um, because there's a lot of, there's a lot to mock in strongman too. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is oftentimes why sometimes people tend to be kind of like an insular community at times, because there is that thing. You see people come from these other disciplines, like Melissa Peacock being a bodybuilder, like lightweight bodybuilder to now like being a world record holder and everything. She's if crazy. you take that level of discipline, yeah, like astoundingly strong is a 181 and everything. Like that's an exceptional level of strength. And I think oftentimes, I think people tend to kind of fall into this like spiral in a way of almost making excuses for like not necessarily holding themselves to high standards and everything. This idea that like to be strong, you have to be big. You just like eat whatever you want. Like it doesn't matter how you look aesthetics wise and everything. And I think oftentimes you realize looking at these other sports, like watching the CrossFit games, they're impossibly fit people who are still throwing up decent numbers and everything and it's i think huge numbers but you kind of look though too like powerlifting powerlifting and strongmen back in like the 90s and early 2000s were just a bunch of fat fucks right they were strong they were strong as shit but <laughs> jesus they were they were fat right and it's just like a bunch of like body mass that that really at the end of the day right fat fat tissue adipose tissue doesn't contract man it's not making you stronger um you know, kind of fast forward now, and I mean, strongman and really definitely powerlifting has gone a different direction. And now these guys are leaner, putting up bigger numbers, they're stronger um, than ever before. So, you know, there's been kind of an evolution there for sure. Um, that, that concept of just being big and just eating whatever you want, I mean, it still kind of exists in certain areas, but the top guys anymore, they're just not, they're not those big big fat slow guys i mean i shouldn't say slow i mean even big z when he was dude, he was very robust at one time he was remarkably agile for how big he was um but um but yeah i mean there's been definitely a change in regard to body composition and i think you know people kind of started realizing hey it was unhealthy you know we look like crap and it's not doing anything for it so it's not doing us any favors right yeah. Um, so why not we lean and look good and represent the the sport well? Um, no, that makes it. Huge... more guys, especially the weight class athletes, definitely are looking much leaner and way more jacked these days. And the things people do are astounding. I mean, you bring up powerlifting and you look at Jamal Brown, or yes, it was sumo and straps, but pulled five hundred kilos, dude. That's like a two Totally fucking raw. I mean, yeah, where he used straps, but. Hey man, that's good enough for strongman standards. He did it without a suit. He didn't. It didn't look that damn hard either. Yeah, and that's the thing of like, it's not even the craziest. Like, it's not the widest sumo stance you've ever seen either. Yeah. Everything like it's. That's, it's that's a, where I'm like, when people start talking about like sumo is cheating or whatever, it's like, can you do that? Doubtful. <laughs> yeah, because that's the thing. They'll always use those examples of the guy pulling 700 pounds with a two inch range of motion and everything. It's like, yeah, that guy's a misnomer of like and are not representative of so many other people out there. You have these people now who you do have to think about it to pull 500 kg without a suit. Like I think the, cause fi the 500 kg that was in like triple ply or like a metal King or something like, or multi, metal yeah, I think they're considered multi-ply and most powerlifting federations. As soon as you have the, 
Velcro straps. I think yeah. that's the I think that's the factor that that considers it multiply. Yeah. So that makes a huge difference of like seeing these things and realizing I think that's also it can be humbling for some people when we talk about like in episode one of like or before we've talked about people being afraid of like feeling emasculated or unexceptional and everything. And it's like, no, that's the most realistic way to be about yourself is to say, to look at these people with like so many of these powerlifting world records now, like people are pulling astounding numbers of like you. I mean, John hacks talking about like joining strongman and everything. It's like, that's that guy's a madman. I mean, hopefully, like, hopefully he can move. I mean, he's another guy that's really lean looks very athletic I, I would assume that he's going to probably be a very athletic competitor um you know you've seen guys in the past like brian siders um incredible power lifter but totally unathletic and when he came to strongman you know he was statically very strong but you know just couldn't move well um you know you could kind of tell that he spent his his uh strength training years in a in a static position right didn't move so, so, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, I mean, you get some of these newer powerlifters that are, you know, they certainly look athletic, will be athletic and, and kind of prove that, you know, other, other strength sports certainly have uh, the potential to be the strongest competitors. Yeah. And uh, the amount of money too, that's being thrown around in powerlifting now is crazy to see some of these people at the top, like what, the cash prizes and stuff are getting paid out. Like, so it clearly is there. I think you just have to have standards and like manage audience engagement because there is that excitement of, I mean, you think some of these things like the CrossFit games, it's like event after event after event. It's like these, they can do like five events in just a matter of hours and everything. And I think it can be, a little bit challenging when you're expecting people to like watch an eight hour event and everything to like watch like one lift every five minutes or something. Yeah. Well, so we, we got, we got class that's doing that much better, right? I mean, that's yeah, probably, I mean, class is doing a lot of things much better. Um, uh, but, but if I was to, I gotta think about that before I say it. <laughs> uh, i'm not saying anything bad i just want to make sure like because i'm going to say like i think that might be one of the probably the best things that they're actually doing i mean from an audience in engagement audience audience being attracted to an audience from that kind of perspective um that might be one of like the best things that they're doing from that that perspective is, is moving fast you know doing those shows in two and a half two i mean finals this year was two hours right two fucking hours which is yeah. tough from the athletes but 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 i mean they're gonna they're gonna either rise to the occasion or they're not right and i mean you kind of get back to that you know are strong men really the strongest athletes are they really the fittest i mean well crossfit's the fittest but i mean if they're going to hold a candle to those other athletes and really prove that they're you know worthy of the strongest um you know there's some there's some strides that they have to make and i think that's a big one right is is proving that these guys can still uh perform extraordinarily well in a much shorter time frame it, it kind of 
it kind of proves that that old um, style of of competition organization isn't necessary, right? Or that that it can be done better and it can be done in a much more palatable and attractive way. And the athletes can still perform, you know, extraordinarily well. Yeah, I mean, you talk about which is, like, which is a huge feather in the cap of strongman and clash, in my opinion. Yeah, and two, I mean, they still have the world record events and stuff of like Camby being able to do his axle after days worth of competing. Yeah, he's such a freak. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just so, like. So I mean, I think Camby is definitely one of those anomalies that you know we talk about not having the strongest people in 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 uh, strongman. I mean, there's definitely. And I, I would be curious. It would be interesting to see, um, you know, I mean, there's always somebody stronger, right? Where yeah. they are, who they are, you know, kind of remains to be seen. But I mean, you know, you got you had guys like Klokov in, in Olympic weightlifting. I, I mean, I don't know what his best was, but I remember, I'll never forget the video. And you've probably seen this too. If he push pressing 495, like yeah. nothing, right? Could he clean uh, a non-rotating axle and yeah, that that's a whole other story right but um you know certainly there's guys out there that are have stronger overhead capability but but are they you know that well-rounded capability that can be has certainly you know i would it's probably one of the best in in the absolute one of the absolute best in the world, i think is what i'm trying to say yeah. So those guys are there. There's a few, right? Yeah. And I think ideally with the way things are progressing with like clash and things like that, hopefully it will start bringing more people in because ideally you want people to be joining this. I mean, I mean, Klokov's like got into CrossFit now and everything. It's like, it would be awesome. Like that's people always talk about like wanting to see like Klokov or Lasha get into strongman. It's like, I mean, that would be called, like a long time ago, kind of like at like in between like weightlifting and CrossFit. Um, there's a video out there. I'm trying to like, he's doing like 120 kilogram log or something like that. And it was like, he'd never pressed a day in his life. Cause it's so awkward. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh. But I mean, you know, a little acclimation, I'm sure he would have probably figured it out, but, um, but I mean, it kind of like demonstrates too, like the uniqueness of strongman and the, and the skill set required to compete in strongman, Right. Yeah. So I think there is that, like, there are a lot of advantages the sport has and everything, because it is like, I think trying to maintain that element of like a compelling thing to watch and everything. I think it is, it's kind of a delicate balance because people do want to see these max lifts and everything. And it's like, you can't necessarily always do max lift after max lift and everything, but I think hopefully that format of like clash of being able to do things in a matter of hours, like that's huge for being able to keep people engaged in watching something. Cause it is that idea of like, if you're telling me it's going to be a whole work day of watching something for most people, unless they're like hardcore fans, that's like the barrier of entry. Yeah. I'll wait. I'll wait until there's like a, a replay and I'll, you know, fast forward through it. <laughs> Watch yeah. The, watch the performances that I want to watch, and then and then move on. Um, yeah. You know, that's, I think that though is why, you know, like uh, World Strongest Man and ISSA and Strongman Champions League, you know, getting ISSA defunct now, but um, long since defunct now, but um, 
you know, they they uh, recorded the performance, the competition, edit it, and release at a later date because they, you know, they shrink it down and focus on the highlights, um, which makes a really nice, you know, they put out a nice product. I mean, SCL puts out a product as, as good as World Strongest Man. Um, you know, but I think those, those days are, you know, I don't, I don't, they're probably never going to stop doing it, those organizations, and we'll see what the future holds. But, you know, class is proving that, that we can actually have live competition, um, you know, which is more, I think, more attractive to sports fans, right? Because everything else is live, right? All of your mainstream professional sports are all live. Um, that's what people want to see, right? We don't want to wait because, because, you know, it was always the, the question is like, well, we already know who won. Why, well, why do we have to wait until Christmas or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> Man, every, everybody knows what happens. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's really nice of what, what clash is doing and they're doing it very, very well. I mean, it's clash and ADL, right. Yeah. We're producing those so live, live broadcasts. So. ADL. Like as far as like good friends go out there, like Don and Nancy have just done a wonderful job of like, and just to see how things have changed over the past few years for them of like seeing them film like small local events here in Texas and everything and like taking it to a larger and larger level as they go. Because there is that like to Australia. Yeah. That's they, they, yeah, they've gone everywhere. And I think a part of it like is like showing that because it is one of those things of like if you ask people which they would rather have like live footage or an excel spreadsheet and camera foot like cell phone camera footage until christmas people are going to want that live footage so i think there's like a way of trying to condense things and everything but it all comes down to having like standardized well-run events and everything like that does bring people in yeah and, and you still need some of that engagement, though. And, I mean, you know, ADL does a great job of the live stream. Like you said, it, it requires the promoters and organizers to actually run the show um, so that it can be live streamed well. Um, I, you know, from an engagement standpoint, I would still love to see some things added. Um, you know, we kind of think we talked about the scoreboard before or, or some kind of, you know, score communication. Um, you know, I don't know if that's – you know, scoreboard on a single um, single class, you know, group of 10, 15 athletes is possible, doable, potentially, um, you know, or, you know, from a live perspective, making sure scores and everything are communicated frequently enough that, that uh, you know, viewers are able to, to keep up and uh, follow, which I think they do a pretty good job on ADL in between the events. I think they show the scores. Um, yeah. Because it's the, awesome. But yeah. you know, one thing that I haven't seen in the U.S. Um, yet, uh, and this is a big, like, this is a big one for me, actually, just as an athlete, but um, but I think it's a really good step towards uh, that engagement with the audiences is the interviews with the athletes. Um you know, I was asked once why I like SCL so much, and that was my answer. <laughs> I, I love the interviews, man. It, like, it actually makes me feel like I'm a, a valuable athlete and that I'm, I, and they actually want me at the show um, because there's no bias either, 
Like I, I think every, you know, I've been to two SDL shows, um, two SDL under one five K worlds and both of them, I'm pretty sure they interview every single athlete at least one time. Um, both times I went, like they interviewed the shit out. Um, it's just like, it's just a, it's a good opportunity for the athletes to, you know, display their, their, uh, character, um, talk about, you know, what they were feeling during the, the, the event, you know, um, any other thoughts that they have. And, you know, in, in the U S we just, we don't really have that much. Um, and I think that's kind of lacking. I think it would go a long, long way to, you know, improve that, that audience engagement. Yeah, I think that makes a big difference of trying to really focus on that engagement of like, get the interviews out there and like, personalize it more and everything because people are much more likely to watch someone who they've listened to talk and everything of the difference of the UC of like, Martins has like a fantastic YouTube channel and everything and seeing like the kind of following that gets of like more and more you have these top athletes putting out their YouTube videos of like everyone at world's strongest man now has a YouTube channel and everything. And there is that like, people are willing to watch like hours and hours of these people talking and like to be able to see that during competition would be great and everything. And even like world's strongest man does it right. I mean, yeah, they're always pulling the guys. You know, It doesn't matter who they are, right? It's usually, it's almost always like the first guys to go. Um, the, the first guy that, that, overtakes the best score right um and then at least the winner of the event um and maybe a couple more in there like there's an opportunity for all those guys to speak um like i said without any real particular bias i think maybe once you start getting towards the end you know they're going to probably start interviewing the the guys that are in the lead a little bit more like the top three five guys but you know in the in the uh prelims there's like really not a lot of bias. They give everybody that opportunity to kind of get, get in front of the camera and speak. I know SCL does, um, which I think is huge, right? That's huge for um, um, athlete. Do I want to say development? I mean, because it kind of is right. It's like in yeah. front of the, to the audience. I mean, you're kind of helping that, that athlete kind of develop the rapport with the, with the audience. Right. And giving, giving them more of a, a, or a platform to to be more than just like a a, a meat sack on the field right <laughs> we're we're a little bit more than just like meatheads moving weight right we're we're individuals we each have our own personalities you know and our own you know trials and tribulations that get us to where we are and having an opportunity to discuss that um i think bring should you know probably i you know i'm not in europe so i don't see it firsthand but I gotta believe that that brings more eyes and attention to the sport because one thing that, that is very, very noticeable, noticeably different between competitions here in the U.S. and even the top level ones, even World Strongest Man and Europe, is the size of the crowd that shows up. The United States is like non-existent. I don't know if you saw the year, and I can't remember what year it was, where World Strongest Man was in Las Vegas, like. The, the number of people that showed up to watch was like bagel, man. Like nobody came out uh, to yeah. the world's fucking strongest man in Las Vegas. I think the ones that were in Florida were maybe a little bit different, but um, but you go to go to Europe. Um, I mean, there was probably in 2018 when we did 
under world uh 105k scl worlds there was like man like towards the end of finals there was like three thousand people there man it was crazy like the crowd was crazy um i just watched a video so uh, a couple of guys that i know that i've met actually over there they were just in germany like the crowd was like insane yeah right so you know, we kind of have to kind of think about that. Like, what are they doing different than we're doing? Maybe maybe one of those things is, is that they're giving the athletes more of a platform to, you know, engage the audience. And that's one of potentially many. But Yeah, because I think those videos do of like people do want to hear from the athletes and they do want to like personalize it because it is like it makes it less of this abstract concept. We're like, oh, you hear this guy's story of like hearing Tom Stoltman talk about like struggling with autism and like, or dealing with that growing up. And then you see him do like his amazing Atlas stone lift and everything like a 22 inch stone. That's like just massive over that and everything. I think there is a need for that. And I think a part of it is simply utilizing tools we already have of like making sure if your comp's going to pay for iron podium, update it like live. Like make sure it's being constantly updated. And if you have like flat screen TVs are so cheap these days, like throw one up and put it on there. Because like it is nice seeing it on your phone. Score score sharing. Like we have the capability to do it. Why why are so many shows like just again, right? You got these promoters that that this isn't their life. This isn't their livelihood. This isn't their profession. You know, but that's such a simple like thing that's readily available and it's right there. And it's so easy to just put somebody on scoring. I mean, there's so many people that want to volunteer for shows, right? Just put somebody on the scoring and keep it up to date. Yeah. Um, and make sure that that, you know, the link is available. Or like you said, put up a TV or projector. It's indoors, right? I mean, that's an easy thing to do. Yeah. And I think oftentimes it is, um, I think people don't always realize of like, Kind of like we've talked about that vicious cycle of like, there's not very much money in it. So sometimes you can't always like put as much time in it, but there is in your example of Europe and like seeing how people do watch everything online. Like there is a desire for this stuff. Like there is a need out there, but I think oftentimes people can't, I mean, my wife is incredibly patient, patient. So she goes to shows with me and everything, but she has been to shows that literally took seven hours. It's like, there's not, it's not very clear what's going on. There isn't this thing. And I think small things I've seen that make a difference is like keeping iron podium updated live. But also I've seen some people get one of those little electronic score counters that whenever you hit the thing, it's actually updating this digital thing. So people can easily look over and be like, here's what's happening of like that recently like that was an idea yeah. i had a long time ago and i saw somebody actually do it recently um, yeah. which i was like i was like wow man i was thinking about doing that and that's awesome because yeah i think they just had like a little thing and yeah, yeah it was just like a like an incremental digital deal just counting reps at the at that particular station right is that what you're talking about yeah like i've seen those or like people throw it up on a tablet or something like that thing that it's just a clicker of like a way a rep counter of like keeping people actively engaged because otherwise you end up with this thing where only your core fans are really super engaged. Whereas like the reason that like national sports, like football and stuff make money is because there's like, everyone's passively, there's a lot of passive fans 
and everything. There are a lot of because you can tune in, like you know, after the the first quarter and see what the score is, and then tune in right after halftime and you know listen for five minutes and get a little bit of feedback from the commentators and see the score and know where the game is, right? Yeah, and I think a part of it, I mean, it would definitely take some coordination, but sometimes I think with what would be nice is like once people start to utilize these technologies a bit more, what would be handy is you have your display screen with Iron Podium up there, but also if you have like during the breaks and everything, you could just pull up Iron Podium pages for like other shows that are going on to just be like, oh, like here's what's happening at this other big show cross country or whatever on today because like saturdays is like a huge day for competitions of these ideas of utilizing what's already out there like a rep counter a scoreboard these things like you said because i think i hadn't even thought of that but like the passive fan wants to be able to tune in and know exactly what's happening without having to like talk to a bunch of people or like go on forums of like and you have Reddit threads with so many comps where people are like just live updating that. And it's like, it would be well, nice. That's not but... even very live though. I mean, those, oh, yeah. those, those spreadsheets are like, you know, there's always like a, an error for a couple hours because they didn't get all the scores and you're waiting for it to update. And yeah. I mean, yeah, getting an iron forum and, and, or iron, iron podium. And you know, there's another one in Europe too, strength results, which is somewhat similar. Um, yeah. That, that has the same capability like he said just like just keep it up to date like in real time like it's not just i mean it's great for the audience right to keep up with what's actually going on um but it's good for the athletes too right strongman is a sports is a is a points game and yeah. and and part of part of the strategy in strongman is is you know requires you to know what the the, the score is and you know and i want to veer back to the conversation before value but you know, these athletes are paying, you know, for their, they want value for their money, right? You need to be giving them the scores so that they can play the game, right? This yeah. idea, you know, I think kind of got, got away from some of us here uh, was this like, you have to show up and just break your back on every single event, right? That's not strongman. Strongman's a points game. It's a strategy, right? I mean, there's strategy to it. Um, and in order to play the game, you have to have the score. So, so yeah, I mean that's a pretty simple, that's a very very simple thing for promoters to do, and it's surprising how few actually, you know, execute that at all, let alone well. Yeah, and I think like you said, playing that game, that like I mean it's interesting watching. I mean we've mentioned it before on the show and everything, but Alexei Novikov of like you because he know he he knows the points people be like oh yeah he definitely has two more reps in him and they're like oh no he just knew exactly what he needed to do to get to the next stage of oftentimes like there is that game of you'll see people who I mean Mateusz was like a good example and everything but there are those competitors who will be near the top of every event but then zero an event and you have people like Martins well, oftentimes he'll win because he comes in second place in every event. Right. Everything being able to like know exactly the standings of things. And I think a part of it of ideally you want to create a sustainable ecosystem for this of like a well-run show means more people will want to do it next year. More athletes want to show up of like, what is it? The battle act showdown in Dallas here with like that one's <laughs> 
real popular local show people like because it's super well run and everything. And I think if people are willing to put in the effort to like run a, do a good show, people want to keep doing it and everything. Yeah. So this or, idea, or, you know, pay a lot of money too. I mean, that that's always helpful. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's, a, it's like, that does make a difference. I think so. The main thing really is like, kind of like, what we were talking about at the beginning with coaching and stuff, you're only going to get out of it what you actually are willing to put into it and everything. This idea of, I think sometimes people, it's the cycle of like, well, I'm not making enough doing this. So I'm not going to put, I can't put as much effort into it. And it's like, people are going to know that and it's going to respect, it's going to turn out that way. Like you said, these small little things of trying to have these shows like, so people want to do it again because it is one of these things of if you're going to have your shows on Saturdays and you're telling people if the event starts at two, you ideally want it to be over by, I mean, at 10 in the morning or nine in the morning, you want it to be over by like a little after lunchtime, 2 p.m. Right. latest. And you have so many shows going of like you have shows that literally go so late that they just have to cancel the last event and everything. Or it's just like things. I don't think I've ever been one that canceled the last event, but I mean. You're right. I mean, some of them go. There was a local one that did, and it was oh wow, it's legendary here in Texas. It's legendary. That's I mean, that would be man, I'd be I'd be pissed if I was an athlete. But um, yeah, but yeah, uh, I mean, there's a lot like you know, amateur shows are going to probably remain that way for a long time because again i mean they're the ones that are you know bringing in the absolute least amount of money right yeah. they're the most reliant on on the most having the most uh registrations because that's their primary source of revenue uh or you know potentially i think for some of them it is it's a, certainly a significant amount of revenue um you know, and, and and I think there's kind of a belief that you have to cater to all these weight classes too. But I mean, not having a, a big budget, I mean, you know, when it's so athlete-centric, right, to attract athletes, you got to have crazy events. Um, you see that a lot of times, right, that the promoters are going to go and have some kind of crazy deadlift or crazy truck pull or something, you know. I think they had like a a bat car or something here like a bat monster car or something once and it's like yeah it looks cool but you only have one of them right and yeah. so so it, it slows everything down uh, you know attracts a lot of athletes but when you have that like single single implement for you know a hundred different athletes man it's because it's going to take a freaking long time yeah um so i mean you know i i, I don't really I don't know what the answer is there. I mean, um, if you want the athletes, you know, maybe maybe you kind of have to have those those events. But um, if you want to have faster shows, then you have to just have some more basic events that you can have multiple lanes and run really fast. But you know, amateurs got all you know. I don't have any answers for that, man. I, I that's a I tough think- that's a tough one. Yeah, it's one of those things of like trying to balance things out of like, I think things that they can do is like utilize those resources of everyone's paying for Iron Podium, actually use it, like actually use what you're paying for, like keep, 
do like trying to have a well-run event doesn't actually cost very much money if you're like keeping things organized. But I think it tends to, people tend to want to almost overdo things in a way of like you said, of that idea of like thinking this would be an amazing event. And then you realize suddenly there's only one lane for this. Whereas like breaks that happens, that happens far too often. Yeah. And then it's like thrown off of like, what do you do? And it's like, at that point, it's a slightly less impressive event, but you could have just gotten two Ford F-250s and had people go head to head. Like that's double the time. It's also much faster to pull in a smaller truck. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, it kind of goes back to what I said last time too. It's like, you know, if you want to, if you want to bring money to the sport and you, you know, you need to grow the audience to grow the audience, you know, you got to be fast and there has to be standards. Yeah. But if that's not your goal, like, and and I don't know that that's going to be the goal for amateur strongman. Um, It would be nice, right. To, to, to have amateur strongman draw a crowd, Uh, you know, high school football draws a huge crowd, especially in Texas. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, um, you know, it sure would be beneficial you know, but if you want to get to that point, you know, you got to make some sacrifices. And and one of those sacrifices is, is, you know, the big, the big, exciting, gnarly events. Yeah. But it's and also it's like just what happened. It's just what you got to do. Yeah. I mean, it's a balancing event because a part of it, it's like people do want to like they'd like to see those like crazy events. But it's also like how many people are actually staying the five hours that it took to get to that event. And everything i think try so it is like a balancing act of like how can you engage the most amount of people in the most effective amount of time of that idea i think oftentimes like people at least part of like the whole reason i'm in meetings with work is like trying to be a more lean or agile company because like that's where the money's at it's like streamlining things like being efficient about doing things and i think at the end of the day trying to do that as well with like sports and stuff of like having these standard things of like part of what i mean my younger sister actually listened to our first episode and she was saying it's it's nice she does crossfit and she was saying it's nice to be able to see your score across how all the boxes and stuff of like these very standardized quick events of like some of their you events of like people compare, watch, like you said, like you can compare across the boxes because they're pretty standardized events. Yeah. And that idea of like everyone's using the same basic equipment and stuff. But it's like you said, like that's not always in people's mind. That's not always exciting. I see sometimes people criticize a local strongman event because they're like, oh, they just do the standard events and everything. And it's like sometimes that's the easiest way to do it of like to make sure that way you can compare it of like, I mean, we brought it up, I brought it up before, but like static monsters of like having that basic yeah. like log 18 inch deadlift. Yeah. Every- but I mean, I've never done a static monsters and I don't know. I mean, it seems come kind of popular, but I don't think it's super popular amongst athletes though. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, you know, that's the, that's what I was saying here just a minute ago is like you know, for amateur promoters, you know, they're kind of stuck in in that position of athletes being sort of that primary source of revenue. And in order for them to to bring in, you know, money 
to, you know, either pay for their time or, you know, other resources they're going to use in that competition, they need to make it attractive enough enough to to bring in the athletes. And you know, strongman being so athletes athlete centric for so long, you know, the thing that's that attracted a lot of people to it was the odd object, the you know, the spectacle events. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think promoters kind of find themselves, you know, kind of between a rock and a hard place there, you know, can I do, you know, it's easier to do basic events. I can run a more efficient and fast show, but are the athletes going to come then? Um, but, but then, but then there's that sacrifice, right? Um, you have, you have more athletes because you, you've got these crazy attractive events and it takes all day to do the show. Then no, there's no audience going to show up and watch it. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of a big old double-edged sword, right? Um, from that, from that perspective, for those shows. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one of like, I think a part of it is trying to find like a good way to balance all those things out of like finding people who, like we've talked about before, of like, athletes you need to really push yourself and everything like at the local level and stuff but also i think as promoters of like and volunteers of like trying to do those little things to make it more engaging to say hey we have a shoestring budget but we can make a pretty fun show because at the end of the day like a good well-run small strongman show doesn't actually cost that much money if you think you need a few logs a few deadlift bars possibly two trucks for a truck pull and like one other event and everything i think um and the thing is some of those small spectacle events i know they have mixed feelings with some people but like some of the ones they used to have with like world strongest man and stuff of like sumo wrestling or head-to-head like events like that like those are always like interesting just for the from that spectacle thing like you don't necessarily right. have to like have a spectacle event that like is essentially a one-lane thing because that's really what like bottlenecks so many comps and everything yeah. um yeah i agree man uh you know it, for me too i mean after competing for so long i'd much rather forego the spectacle events and just i mean i'm sorry it's still kind of a spec all the events are spectacle right i mean yeah. the log is 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 a big diameter you know awkward implement uh monster dumbbell circus dumbbell is a big awkward implement atlas stones are a big awkward implement i mean everything's still awkward right we don't need yeah. you know I, I just for me i don't i don't care about the big you know crazy i don't know i can't even think of a good example now um you know i, I don't need a, a special basket deadlift slash wheelbarrow right yeah. you, know, you know some of the crazy things we've done in the past i mean you know we've had like you know, carry load wheelbarrow into a deadlift or whatever, you know, various events. And I think the first time I ever did that actually was way back in 2014 at a platinum plus uh, NAS show. But, um, but yeah, I mean, anymore, just, just let's deadlift, man. I mean, let's get after it. There's plenty of bars and plates available. Um, there's lots of lots available. There's plenty of Atlas stones, sandbags, kegs, you know, stuff. Let's just get through the, let's, let's do the show let's get through it i mean um we're still able to compete uh performances are still going to um 
determine the outcome faster the better yeah I, you know, I just like yeah i don't know i mean that's, that's just my opinion i don't i don't think we need all the crazy events anymore um there's there's the, over the years i mean there's staple events right Let, let's just stick to them because honestly for the vast majority of strongman athletes that are going to uh advance through the ranks you have to be good at log press axle press dumbbell press yoke farmers atlas stones maybe some kind of like uh conditioning event you know sandbag carries that's like, like that that's gonna get i mean you don't even have to do all those presses just be a good clean impressor right a log farmers yoke atlas stones some kind of some kind of conditioning carry medley right that's if you can do that you're going to probably be able to do anything if you can do those well right so i mean those are events that are that are um you see over and over and over consistently these one-off you know events just like they don't matter really at the end of the day yeah you're never going to do them again right <laughs> very unlikely yeah, and I think that's like a small step towards, like you said, standardizing it and making it so these things can have more direct comparisons and stuff makes a big difference. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, I mean, IFSA was that, that was kind of one of IFSA's big things. Like they actually standardized their equipment. I can't remember if we talked about that or not, but um, but so they, you know, all their they still had a, a bit of a variety, right? I mean, they had they had yokes, farmers, shield carry, deadlift. Uh, squat, log. I don't know if there was a dumbbell. There was an axle, clean impress, atlas stones. But but it was guaranteed that every time you had one of those events, it was the same. It was either the same implement or it was exactly the same dimensions, right? And they published their dimensions on on their website, so anybody could go and replicate it to train with. And from my perspective, that's actually like a huge. It, it's kind of a bummer it didn't catch on more because not only is it is it better from that that audience engagement kind of standpoint in 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 the way that um, we can build stats and it becomes more comprehensive over time for for audience members right because then it then it's like it's easier to compare you know one log to the like one log world record to the next world record because it's done on the same exact implement right. But, but from an athlete perspective, this is where I just like makes perfect sense to me is that we're not making a lot of money to begin with. And when, if you want to do well at a lot of shows these days, you have to spend a lot of money on the specific equipment that they're using at the show, assuming you know it. Right. And, and we tend to do this with, you know, back in the day, while it was a freaking amazingly uh, innovative implement like the stone of steel right um it's not in my opinion it's i mean yeah it's round and you're picking it up and loading it like an atlas stone but training on an atlas stone is nothing like training on a stone of steel so if you wanted to do well in stone of steel that was coming up you had to go buy one it was like a eleven hundred dollars delivered right we all went and spent all this money on these things and i haven't you know i think we had them in competitions for a year year and a half and then never saw them again Right. Um, it's the same with like some of the logs, like people will go and drop like crazy amounts of money so that they can train on the specific 
blog because it's a certain it's like it's a, a unique length and diameter and body weight and and whatever else and then and then like the next show you're going to use something else um so the benefit is is that if we had some standardization on every log was the same exact dimensions we could buy one implement and be done right yeah <laughs> and and for a sport that does that that's not like athletes aren't earning any money or very little you mean even even the guys at the top i mean you know, um, I mean, the guys on World's Strongest Man, the very top guys, you know, the Pujanowskis and Shaws and Big Z's and stuff, I think they probably ended up making enough money to not have a full-time career. But did you watch the story of Eddie Hall, man? The guy had a was like a mechanic on the side on his journey to world to being the World's Strongest Man. Like, there was no money until he was either just about there or had, you know, finally won that title. And, you know, I mean, he ended up making a lot of money after, but... Um, for the for the weight class athletes, man, we're not making any money, but we're we're kind of in this position that if you want to do well, you're you're going to spend a, a fuckload of money, and that's why I've spent so much money, one hundred fifty thousand dollars. I mean, a lot of that's tied up in equipment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> various equipment that I have. I mean, I have four logs, right? I mean, four completely different logs. Um, did I need those? I, it would have been nice if I could have just bought one and been done, right? Yeah. I think that's hard when like things are, there's so many different like federations and stuff and things going on and everything. And I think oftentimes people no standardization are, anyway, I mean, from, from, from organization to organization, they all will use like a different brand of log. Every freaking show they do. Every nationals has different equipment. Yeah. And I think that's why hopefully when you see it like rogue doing so many things now, at least it's standardized at the top and everything a bit more but it's still that idea of finding ways to like save everyone money but eventually make more money would be ideal and i think that's the main thing is like the key is trying to find that way of balancing out like audience engagement while still having good events for the athletes and everything. And I think there are a lot of great tools now that can be leveraged as long as they're leveraging it properly and everything. But I think the biggest thing overall is that idea of like to do well at something you need to actually try to do it well and everything like success isn't all around. It goes, goes all around from athletes to promoters to. um, Yeah you know, everything that you do in life. Because these things all feed each other and they all feed into each other overall of like one can't happen without the other of like what benefits promoters should benefit the athletes. Like there should, there should be like a symbiotic relationship where these things are like, and vice versa. Yeah. Vice versa. And also for like the audiences of like, if you can get more casual people involved in these things, like that makes a huge difference of like, comparing like crowds in Europe versus like crowds in yeah. the U S and everything. Yeah. And, and, and again, I don't know if that's going to happen, you know, all the way to the, to the lower level shows. Yeah. Um, but I mean, even the higher level shows still have some work to do in that regard. Right. I mean, it's just, it's just the fact of where the sport is at. Um, and, you know, maybe a lot of times when I'm having these discussions, it's probably more, you know, in my mind is, probably more relatable to the upper shows, even though they are, you know, they're still doing really good. And I mean, some of them are like clash is doing an excellent, excellent job. Um, 
you know, and 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 by no means uh, am I criticizing Clash because um, again, I love what they're doing. Um, I think they're a great group of guys. They have a lot of heart and a lot of passion. Just the little things like that that you know, everything in life should be continual improvement, right? Yeah. We we should never like nobody, and and I'm not saying they are. I, but um, everybody should always have that perspective of like you know, there's still something better that we can do. Because as soon as you say like this is good enough, right? That's that's complete complacency leads to to stagnation, right? Yeah, and I think that all ties in of these things of like trying to create that continuous improvement and everything. I realize it's getting a bit late. Is it? I have no idea how long we've been talking, man. <laughs> I don't know. It's almost seven o'clock. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. So we've been talking for another hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. It, it goes man. by the way. Yeah. We kind of, we kind of talked a lot of, about a lot of things today. Um, yeah. Kind of like spread out and everything. I mean, there's a lot to talk about. And, you know, I'm kind of excited to keep having these conversations. You know, before we go, you know, I kind of realized too in our last conversation that, that the, the more we talk, like I have, I have kind of like thoughts and opinions and sometimes like I know things are wrong. I don't really know why until we talk it out. And, and I think with our last episode, you know, the idea of the, the novice career class, like I had, I had the gut feeling and the intuition, like I didn't like it, but I don't know if I really understood why I didn't like it until we got almost to the end of the last episode. And it was, it was like you said, these guys are like just beating on, the new guys just to win. Right. And, and, you know, the, the kind of the revelation was, is that, you know, maybe these guys are like our actual bullies. Right. And, and I think that's what I really don't like about it. And, and so the kind of my point is, it's like, these conversations are good. Like they're, um, you know, they're kind of helping us get to the root of, of various issues. Um, you know, talking it out has been, has been very productive, I think. Yeah. I think overall it has been good. And I think it's always nice to like hear that different perspective to like kind of talk through these ideas, like you said, that you intuitively know in your head, but it's a, you don't always know like why this is an issue or like, but also I think what's good is like trying to find these constructive ways to like help people and everything. Cause that's the idea of like, I think overall of the theme really is like, you want to help people who are new athletes trying to get into strength sports and everything but you also want to help people like you want this to be financially sustainable for people and everything of like that idea of like you don't you don't want this vicious cycle where you're overpaying for online coaching at the beginning then you're paying for competitions that you can't complain about and then you're dealing with events that aren't run well and everything and it's just this like cycle and then eventually you do that enough times that then you start charging people for your coaching and then running your events and it's like you need and you want to break and just doing it doing it just as awful as what you've uh become accustomed to because maybe you don't know any better right and i've, I've kind of thought about that sometimes about competitions you know people just keep paying and you know just being like happy that they have anything at all and it's like you know well you haven't been introduced very well to start with so maybe you don't know any better um which yeah. is unfortunate too so so yeah i mean i think uh, a big you know, hopefully a big positive that comes out of, of these podcasts is, is that, you know, people realize that there, there is a better way and, and that, you know, their money, whether it's being spent on coaching competition or otherwise, like you, you deserve value for your money. And, you know, 
buyer beware. Right. Yeah. I think that goes across of like these things of because oftentimes you have a cynical side of people that's always like people will sink to the lowest level they can. But the reverse side of that coin is that people will rise to standards that you will surprise you. Like if those right. standards are up there, like people genuinely like I tend to be like an optimist about everything, but it's this idea of, I think, I don't think the average person out there wants to be bad at what they do in any capacity and everything. Like I right. think never, even when I was working, like delivering pizzas and everything, like, at least for me, I wanted to be good at everything I'm doing and sure. stuff because it is like one of those things of, for me, that was the biggest lesson I ever learned working with pizza delivery is when I came in with a bad attitude, the customers could tell, and then I would get less tips and then it would get worse where sometimes you just had to break out of that cycle and like have a good conversation with a customer and you get a decent tip. And that would like instantly, it's funny of like, we'd always notice like talking to some of the other drivers that like, if you get one $10 tip, you're going to get more $10 tips throughout the night. If you get stiffed or if someone doesn't tip you at the beginning, you're going to like, that cycle will go because then it's like, you slip up and you're kind of frustrated. Like it's a cycle. So a part of it is like that energy you put out there in the world. But like you said, of like trying overall, everything you want to do, especially for you as like veteran athlete, like you want to set a good example for people and say like, you deserve to be successful at what you do. Like we want the athletes to be successful, but also as promoters of like, ideally, you want it to be a fulfilling thing that you can do right. year after year without just getting burnt out and eventually just giving up yeah. and moving on to something I don't else. Know. I don't know if anybody deserves to be successful. Um, oh, yeah. They definitely deserve to get value for their money. Yeah. Um, but I mean, success is earned, right? Um, That's true. Um, but I think that I think that people do deserve to be, um, how do I want to say this? Like, being exposed to a culture that 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 encourages continual growth right and in yeah. in that regard is is you know hey you know we've got we've got standards and one of those is it's like you're you're not going to be allowed to continue being in the lowest lightest weight class just to bully people for your own ego <laughs> right like I mean, yeah. that's a standard right and that's holding people accountable Right. And, and, you know, holding each other accountable leads to, to good growth, um, you know, and, and, and that's part of, um, that's part of like camaraderie, right. Is, is holding each other accountable. It's part of, you know, brotherhood or sisterhood or whatever you want to call it. Um, the fraternity or whatever it is, is, is holding each other accountable in, in pushing each other to be, to be your very, very best, but also not allowing each other to, to, uh, you know, to be, to be, um, I don't know, to do unsatisfactory things, right. Whatever that yeah. is. I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of, I'm kind of stuck on this bully thing now, like now that I kind of realize that that's kind of what it is. Like, yeah, like, we're not okay with that. And, you know, um, we want you to realize that push you forward because it's, it's, it's what is right. It's, um, you know, it's, uh, we're here to help the the new athletes grow and rise through the ranks too. And that's not helping them. That's keeping them down, which is really, you know, unfair, but, but also if you're not willing to, 
you know, to, to do that and be accountable and, and be the better person, right. Then, you know, maybe, maybe the right answer is for the, the community to start pushing people out. Right. Yeah. And I think that is one of those things of trying to find that balance of like, you want people to want to do this and everything. And I realize I didn't mean to say like everyone deserves success, but I think people don't always know necessarily what they could do better. There is a cycle of like, if you've only ever known one way to do things, you don't always think of that of like, I mean, talking to like one of our friends, Frank and stuff, realizing he was like, I didn't even think about putting up a TV with the iron podium. I paid for iron podium. Like I didn't even think about that. And people saying like, I didn't even think about doing a rep counter or even just charts that show the weight of like what's actually being lifted. Yeah. and everything rather than having to ask someone like i was in the bathroom what are they doing right now yeah i actually kind of like that um there's some local promoters here that have been doing that where they've got like the little flip counter things right the little yeah uh, and they're putting it next to the uh to the event station to show what the uh the weight is i, I like that that's actually yeah. um, that's a good innovative um way to communicate what what's actually what's actually being achieved right the weight that's being lifted And I think that's the, to tie it all back in of this idea of like, kind of like the lean mindset with companies of like simplicity actually sells and everything. Like sometimes I think people tend to Simplicity saves you money. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's saved money on all sides of like, you think not having too many crazy implements means it's easier to train for, but it's also lower budget for the show that can you you can put towards other things of like having a flip counter those things it's like ten dollars for two of them on amazon like that's an easy way that people know what's happening in every lane and everything because i think these things that are small of i think people tend to think because like the nature of entertainment these days is this idea of like you want to be viral you want to be big you want to be explosive and everything and it's like realistically you want to be consistent like consistency is what will with working out with training all these things like in the long term being consistent pays off way more than doing these exceptional things here and there and everything if you see after a while like if you do too many competitions in a year you start to have diminishing returns on your performance and everything yeah anytime you like start lifting too heavy too often you start having diminishing returns yeah and i think that's a kind of like a theme throughout the rest of life and everything. And I think the main thing is we're not necessarily out here to bully the bullies, but we're saying like, we want everyone moving forward of like, you don't want to stay static in life of like, you want to. Can you bully the bullies? Like, I, I mean, <laughs> I've never heard that before. Like, I, yeah. I mean, if you're telling, like you're, you're calling the bullies out because they're bullying people, right? You're not really bullying them. You're standing up for the people they're bullying. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and again, like, you know, we as a community need to like have less tolerance of, of that, right? Again, the spirit of the sport is, is is to be, you know, to aim for being the strongest, right? Again, keeping in mind that journey, you know, is going to be, uh, you know, fraught with failure, mistakes, trials and tribulations, right? But the, the idea is to continue pitching forward. And part of that forward path is, is, is moving up, um, challenging yourself, right? Um, yeah. Not staying not staying at the starting line because, because it's easy because you can, you know, boot, boot the, the people, you know, back in the back of the line off the path, you know, and, and keep your place, you know, be continue being at the front of the line, right. <laughs> or 
that makes sense. But uh, yeah, but yeah. So I mean, there needs to be less tolerance of that, uh, and, and and you know, promoters and other athletes need to start like you saying, hey, it's it's time that these guys move up. Um, it's not okay. It's not okay to 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 beat on the we the the new guys just for a win. It's not okay for the pro to come in and beat on the the amateurs because it's an easy win um for whatever reason like we need to have less tolerance of that because you know in a, in a society that that uh, frowns upon bullying which they should right it's kind of surprising that we we allow that kind of you know it's not explicit bullying right we're not we're not going out yeah. of their, you know people are going out of their way i think to you know to you know, hurt those people directly but i mean it's kind of a form of bullying right yeah um, no, I think so we should have less tolerance. That is, yeah. that's my final word, man. That's what that's your final word, and my final word is the the whole thing is we're just like actually go out there and like really do hard shit, like just challenge yourself, like just set your bar high. Of like, as a promoter, think of those little things. What can you do to set you apart from other people? As an athlete, how can I be better? How can I improve myself? Because at the end of the day, like, do hard shit, put in the work, like that's really the note we really want to end on.